In the part of Canada where we are, you always know when summer is over, fall is approaching, and winter's sneaking right up on you by the sounds of far-off honking. It's Canadian geese, huge flocks of them, and they can be seen flying way far up. They're in a V formation, and they're pointing south toward a warmer future. It's over. Summer's over. Not immediately, but you're soon going to get hit with a cold winter. You can hear it in their honks. Now, politically, Canada went through this as well. It wasn't geese honking. It was men who'd had enough in their big rigs honking. And we didn't even realize that it also meant the end of something. I think most of the people in the world heard about the Canadian truckers' protest. It seemed to make the news in a lot of places. But, you know, it was very interesting how the people, the common people, who obviously were sick of being manipulated by the elites of the land. I mean, it was everyday folks that lined the highways and the overpasses, with cheers and Canadian flags urging that honking convoy onward toward Ottawa. You know, that wretched hive of scum and villainy in eastern Canada where all the nonsense seems to come from. And you know, when I watched those videos, I, I felt pretty proud. Almost gave me a lump in my throat, but in the end, deep down inside... You know, political protest of the common people would end up, well, it would either win the day and everything would change, or it would be strangled somehow in its infancy. I mean, the elite only allow that sort of thing from folks like BLM and Antifa. Because, you know, to everything there's a season. Speaking of seasons, summer, fall, winter, and all seasons end. The game is changing in the world. Have you noticed? Are you ready? Can you see what's forming up before you? Just like those geese form up as the season ends. I mean, the Bible tells us that Satan desires to sift all of mankind like wheat. Well, I think the nations of the world are being sifted. It's already started. Are you ready? It's nice here at the fire of the enemy patrol. Notice how light and warm it is around the fire. But look out toward the edges, beyond the circle of light, beyond the warmth. And look at the darkness. Notice how the light makes it move and flicker and dance. It plays tricks on the eyes. We have a lot to talk about. So, um, yeah, stick close. You have found the frequency of the Enemy Patrol podcast. Please stand by for new directions. Over.
Welcome, welcome, welcome to the fire of the enemy patrol, a place where folks who can't believe this is happening to them find themselves. Let me give you a quick intro as to who I am as the Anomic Ranger and what the enemy patrol is all about. I consider myself a reality scout. As your scout, I give you information you can use as you move forward in this adventure called life. And since you're the general in the com campaign of your life, it is you in the end that makes the decisions. I'm just a scout. I just give information. I give you the lay of the land. You can use my reports or don't. I just tell you what I see. If you want to know more, you can subscribe so you don't miss a report from the enemy patrol. Wherever you listen to your, to your podcasts. Uh, you can also take a look at my website at anomicranger.com. If you want to send me an email, you can either do so on the contact portion of my website or you can send me an email direct to animepatrolhq at yahoo.com. That's animepatrolhq at yahoo.com. And if you like what I write or podcast, although I'll say it again, I haven't been doing much writing or podcasting lately, and I'm not going to give you a bunch of excuses. Let's just say that sometimes life gets in the way. But uh, another change is happening, so I'm hoping I can get more of this uh, out to you. More time around the fire of the enemy patrol, because I think it's needed. And the way the world is changing and things that are happening, I think this is important. But wherever you listen to the podcast, you can give me a good rating, you can subscribe, you can comment, but most importantly, share with somebody that you think would um, benefit from spending time around the fire of the enemy patrol. Now, you might say, well, gee, how do, how do you know, you know, if your friend is going to benefit? Well, anybody that's slowly waking up and realizing what the world is looking like, because, you know... Like I said, things are changing. The lines are becoming much more defined. It's like, you know, at first light, when the sun is just hasn't even broken the edge of the horizon yet, but everything just starts to get just a little bit light and the shadows start to disappear and you can start to see more detail. That's what's happening in the world right now. And anybody that is paying attention, anybody that's even thinking about swallowing the red pill, I'd like to think that the enemy patrol will help with that. At least people that have written to me, that's what they say. They like to put this podcast on when they're doing a chore or driving and just relax and spend some time around the fire. Have you ever spent time around a fire before? It's very relaxing. It's good place to share things it's a good place to talk about important things that's what i'd like this place to be anyway let's move right on here and talk about how i break these down well this is season two so i've been breaking them down into some very three very simple portions how did we get here where are we going and what am I supposed to do? I mean, the world is changing so fast, you got to keep things simple. I mean, I'm looking around, doing my scouting and looking at things and scratching my head and, and I make a few notes and everything is changing so fast. 
three days later, it's like I got to start changing my notes because, I mean, it's just moving right along. I mean, think about it, even me talking about this, you know, the Canadian trucker honking protest. I mean, that's old news, isn't it? Or is it? Or is it important maybe to go back and look at some of this stuff? Because the way the legacy media or mainstream media does it is like they just steamroller over stuff. Anything that they want, they they hit it, hit it, hit it. Anything they don't want dies quickly in his memory hold. So I think it's important to go back and look at things. But think about it. I mean, the trucker protest, that was like, oh, that was so long ago. It's only five months. In the scheme of history, that is an eye blink. That is nothing. It's a microsecond. So it's important to keep analyzing stuff that happened five months ago because lots of times by looking at that, never mind looking at ancient history, what about just recent history? I mean, think about it. It was historic. Canadians standing up for their rights, uh, impromptu truckers heading to Ottawa, people getting out in, you gotta remember it's Canada. It's very, it was very cold when those guys were doing that very, very cold and people were coming out, lining the highways and the overpasses. And it went against the narrative. I don't think that the elites were even ready for it. Maybe more, a little bit more on that later. Um, because the way the world, the way they like it to work is, you know, the legacy media, they cook it all up and they figure it all out and they, this is our story. This is what we're going to say. This is our narrative. And they squawk and everyone just gets scared and they just follow. I mean, think about it. 15 days to flatten the curve when the old Chicom flu got going. 15 days to flatten the curve, everybody. That's not so big. And how long did it take before that became a forced experimental shot in your arm? Or you're an enemy to society and you're going to lose your job. How long was that? I mean, just like this, the whole protest thing, people got angry and, and they had enough. And, and those truckers, they just want to do their job. And, and so they protested. And how did the government respond? Police brutality. I mean, you got to let that get past your normalcy bias. Who would have ever thought that Canada would have police beating on people for a protest that wasn't even violent. In fact, anybody that actually went there and looked at it, it was a picture of people getting together and it was almost like a bit of a street party. And then when all that narrative breaks down, well, then a war breaks out far away and the news just hits on it and hits on it and hits on it. If that starts working, then they, oh, let's get another disease. Let's get monkeypox in there or something. I mean, it just, it's more and more and more, and it's being pumped out of a machine. The elites of the world, they actually think they're superior beings. I like to call them the cloud people. And they loathe the dirt people. And anything that you loathe, and are scared of. You want to kill it or control it because they fear the common people. You know, the common people outnumber the elites by a large margin. That's why they have to keep the people scared and divided. So it's time to wake up right now. It's time to see this before it's too late. It's time to forget the narrative that they keep shoving down your throat and 
ask yourself, really, how did we get here? There's a lot of directions that we could go from this point. We could talk about government, we could talk about education, we could talk about media. I mean, as far as like, how did we get here? We could talk about medicine, we could talk about corporations, etc., etc., etc. And there's been a few past fires of the enemy patrol where we've looked at many of these things. Um, I would encourage you to go back and listen to season one and the first few episodes of season two, get yourself caught up. And then we can also look at how all these different institutions have cross-pollinated over the last few generations. Example, for instance, the relationship between big pharma, big media, and big government. I mean, just think about that one. Um, Big pharma comes up with a new drug. Big media says, oh, this is a breakthrough. Big government pays for it and encourages it. Okay, well, there's, there's money changing hands. Just, just think about that. Think about how huge that is when you get pharma, media, and government together. And we really seen the culmination of that in the, in the old clot shot that was mandated. But today, I think what we're going to focus on is, is the infamous they, the, what I've been talking about, the elite, the cloud people, um, how they have managed to do this, like what it would, you know, it's people always say they, you know, like, well, they don't want us to do that. And, and they, and the consp- conspiracy theorists always use they, 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 I think I even wrote an article about that in, you know, on, on my blog, who is they, it's, it's not really that mysterious. You can make it mysterious. Many people do. It's very sensational to write about the, the Jesuits or the, 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 royalty or the uh, um, big money people or the banking institutions and I think there's you know there's bits of truth all throughout there and and there's a probably a lot of cross-pollination going on there the elite think about it this way let's think about it as a as a history lesson here there's always been an elite. Every society's had an elite. I don't care what society you talk about. Uh, you go, go back to the Middle Ages. You had a king and you had his court. You had all the people that, that hung around the king. You know, the, you, you have a king can't rule by himself. He needs a class of people around him. Some of them are people that have money, some of them are people that have religious authority. Some people are just fart catchers and they just, they hang around and flatter. But it doesn't really matter. There's always this elite at the top and they're always vying for power. And <clears throat> the elite can get rid of a king or raise a king or they can change it. It's really in the end, it's the elite who quote unquote rule. Even communism, when you think about it, 
yeah, communism was supposed to be, you know, everybody calls each other comrade. And in the end, there was supposed to be no elite. It would just turn into this system like an anthill and, and everybody would be equal. And, that, and they still sell it that way. But in every um, historical incidence of communism or socialism or collectivism, whatever you want to call it, whatever um, ism you want to put in there, that goes around the whole idea that everybody owns everything. Everybody's supposed to be equal. In the end, it always turns into an elite. Um, I mean, in Russia, they got rid of the czar, and it wasn't very long, and the, and the people of the party, the, the high mucky mucks in the party, were the only ones that had a reliable source of food and, and uh, reliable transportation and, and, and a few you know, nice things, so to speak. And there was always vying for power there. I mean, they were, they were always, you know, assassinations and poisonings and all throughout there is this, there's the elite vied for power. Keep that in mind as the elite we have today are also always vying for power. Now, if we go back to our history lesson here and we talk about Kings, you know, there were some kings that were actually pretty good. They ruled out of a responsibility, you know, for the good of the people. Then they actually took it on like God had put them there. So therefore, they were there to look after the good of the country, the good of the people. And they were to repel invaders and they were to punish the wicked. And they were, you know. But they were also tyrants. And they treated their people like a commodity. In other words, they, vi they seen themselves as better and the people like cattle. And so they would manipulate and do whatever they needed to do to stay in power. And there was no sense of responsibility. There was only a sense of manipulation. This is where we find ourselves right now. We're not being ruled by one tyrant, but we're being ruled by thousands of them. There's, you know, you have to ask yourself, well, who are these tyrants who are ruling us? Well, I would say in our day and age, what we're, who we're being ruled by, besides, I mean, if you want to look at mysterious, you know, shadow, um, ancient clubs and, and uh, I don't know what you want to call them. What do you call like the, the, um, hmm, that's uh, just right out of my head right now. But anyway, you get the idea of, of all the, the, um, groups that have formed over like the Masons and uh, the Rosicrucians and all these different, all these different groups. But I think today, I, I think the, the, besides those people who might still have a hand in it, I'm sure the lines of communication are still used and I'm sure they all vie for power and in belief that their group is the one that's, that's the one that's controlling everything, but really to the common everyday person, all you need to look at is the people just above you and they are the technocrats. They are the experts that we have set up there. They are people in government or the medical industry or the scientific world or the uh, managerial class, if you want to call it that. And it's because we have been trained to, oh, you got to listen to the experts. You got to listen to the experts. I mean, think about it right now. We're being ruled by people who uh, they haven't been voted in. Um, nobody agreed to anything. Guys like uh, Bill Gates, 
I mean, he writes software and all of a sudden he's running around the world telling everybody that they got to do this and they got to do that. And he's using his money to buy up farmland and buy up everything. And he's putting money into places to control the people and yada, yada, yada. You know, if maybe you're hearing about this. Maybe you feel a little bit angry inside. Like, you don't want to think about this. This, this, is, this is going against your normalcy bias. It's like, well, they wouldn't allow that. See, there's the other they. There's the they that the conspiracy theorists talk about. You know, the mysterious shadow people in the background pulling all the strings on all the puppets. But the common people also have a they. And it's their government, it's their experts, it's their doctor, it's their um, manager, it's their expert on organizing companies or saving the environment or the scientists. And so you don't want to think about the fact that maybe those people are compromised. Maybe those people are don't have your best interests in mind. I mean... Let's face it, the common everyday people like it when the experts tell them what to think because it saves them from thinking. I mean, it's a pretty, it's a pretty scary looking world if you can't trust the experts anymore, if the experts may have your demise in mind. That means you've got to think about everything from the environment to your health, to your food supply, to your housing. You have to think about everything. So somebody that starts talking about, oh, this has all gone bad, you get angry at them. But these people are not voted in anymore. It used to be that the people had one say when you cast your ballot and you at least hoped or you tried to listen to who is who and you wanted a guy in there to do all this for you, to make these decisions. When those people said, we've hired somebody who's an expert in this, then the people just said, okay, the expert then is going to figure it out. But I mean, really, ask yourself this question. Why does anyone listen to Bill Gates when it comes to health? He's not a doctor. He's a software designer. Maybe. And this is only a tiny splinter of the elite. What about the beautiful people? We listen to them. Why do we do that? Who are the beautiful people? Well, we're going to get into that a little bit later. But just think of the people that uh, they can get on Twitter and they have millions of followers because they were in a movie or they sang a song or they just look really good. And we listen to them. Why? I think amongst the common people, the dirt people, if you want to call it that, and I don't mind being called a dirt person. I dig in the dirt quite often. I grow stuff in the dirt. Amongst the people, the common people that slave every day and to put food on the table and raise their families, there's this belief in the great other. The belief that somehow society itself has a wisdom, a collective wisdom, a consensus. And people want to believe in it. They want to, you know, they say if you go into a city 
and you stand on a street corner and you look up. It's not very long before you have three other four, five, ten people. They look at you and then they look up and they look at you and they look up. If you get more than two or three people to do that, pretty soon you have a whole group. Everybody's looking up. Because of this belief in the other. They say in the end, it comes down to the weight of a cow. There's this story out there about a study that was done. I don't know if it's true or not. I read about it years ago. And it was a study that was done about this, what we're just talking about. And this idea of group consensus being wise. Okay. And the way they worked it is they took a bunch of people from the city, had nothing to do with a farm. They might have seen a cow once or twice when they were on the train or driving from city to city. They knew cows existed, obviously. So they got these people together, made sure they had no experience with cows, and they took them to a cow in a group, and they wanted them to guess the weight of the cow. The first group that they took out there they completely left them to their own devices. They said, okay, you guys go together in a group and you go and you figure out the weight of the cow. Give us your best answer. So the group went out, the first group went out and they um, got together and they started talking about it amongst each other and they started arguing. And what happened was, is there was two or three people in the group I, I forget how big the group was. I think it was like 20 people or 30 people or something. And they got arguing and there was two or three people that kind of, they were way far out and they were arguing. Those became the leaders and then the leaders got followers and, and it was like the loudest leader or the one with the biggest group that he could gather. And they finally come to a consensus about the weight of the cow. Then they went and found another group of the same size and the same people that had no agricultural experience. And they showed them the same cow and they said, okay, what we want you to do is we want you to all go off by yourself, no talking. And we want you to write down on a piece of paper how much you think that cow weighs. So they did that. They weren't allowed to discuss. Then they brought the numbers together and they averaged them. Guess which group was closest to the weight of the cow? It was not the one with the leaders. It was the, not the one where they could discuss. It was not the one where they came to a consensus. It was the one that everybody had a chance to guess and then the numbers were tabulated. What that tells you is that you as an individual are smarter 
than you're given credit for. If each person is left to their own, oh, I mean, there would be some people that would have, you know, ridiculous answers. But the majority of people would be close enough to the average that would, they could actually kind of sit and guess and figure out. You get groups and you get loud mouths, and that's what happens is usually you get a group, the one that yaps the most knows the least. So you as an individual are smarter than you're given credit for. You have been conditioned all your life to leave all the big decisions up to the experts, the loud mouths, the idiots, those with a different ax to grind than anybody else, those that are vying for followers, those that I don't know what, what um, propels them. But these experts are leading you to your doom in this society. And I believe personally, as many do, that there are deeper spiritual powers that are leading us to our doom, that are leading us in that direction. That is one reason why we are where we are right now. Because now that we have discussed this, we have to ask ourselves where are we going? There is no doubt that all this uh, Chicom COVID crap has shown most people, the ones with their eyes open, that this managerial and expert class, well, they have an agenda. And we also know that this class of people, these experts, these leaders, these what it, cloud people that are pushing this stuff, don't want to tolerate any dissension from what they are, the direction that they're pushing. They have a superior viewpoint in their opinion, and that's it. I mean, just look at the whole thing with the whole honking thing. I mean, old Justin Turdo, he didn't tolerate any honking in his capital. He showcased the utter contempt he has for the common people. And he's not alone. I mean, he's just one guy. But he is surrounded by many people who share this same trait. You must bow to the system, even if it's completely devoid of any scientific or humanitarian truth. Sometimes it doesn't even make logical sense. I mean, everybody's seen it. The whole mask wearing thing, you know, you can wear your mask into the restaurant, but then you take it off the table. Does that make any sense? No. And everybody could see it. Um, politicians didn't have to mask up, but children did. Things like that. Any thinking person has to also believe that somehow our our our, our um, managerial class, our leaders, are hell bent to crash this system, the system of of our society. They want the heritage of our system to fail. I mean, you can talk about idiots and, and, and you, you, you know, everybody likes to make fun of Joe Biden and the dancing 
Justine Turdo. But um, it's really not about the idiocy. It's not that they're that incompetent. If they were completely incompetent, they'd make the right decision at least once in a while based on statistics. But they don't. And then look at their lingo. Build back better. Well, that implies destruction. The great reset. That means starting over. That means it has to fall apart and then then they'll build it back better. It's a planned destruction. It's in, been in the works for a long time. You can study this stuff right to death, but when you dig down deep, the destruction of the economy, the destruction of the family, the destruction of the education system, the destruction of the business model, the destruction of morality, the destruction of religion, hell, even the destruction of reality itself. I mean, even look at the honking thing. What were they protesting? Cross-border truckers had to get the jab. Or they couldn't cross the border. But the police and the bureaucrats, the police that were beating them on the head and the bureaucrats that were ordering this brutality didn't have to get the shot. There's no reality there. There's only control. I mean, a couple of things could be chalked up to stupidity maybe. I mean, a lot of the world leaders are total incompetent boobs. I would say that's by design somehow. But the bottom line is our society, the West, has been slated for destruction. Anybody should be able to see that if you just get rid of your normalcy bias and realize that that's what's happening. Okay, the honking of the truckers, that whole thing is now in the past. And there are some people that claim it was a victory, and then maybe it was. I mean, one thing for certain that old Trudeau, I, like, I don't think that one was planned. I think that the whole trucker thing in Canada caught him by surprise. I think they thought Canadians would pretty much just knuckle under and do whatever. I think it shocked a lot of other people in the world that the Canadians did that. But... The problem is this machinery of tyranny is, is in place and it will be two steps forward and only one step back. I and mean, that's an old communist trick. There's always a new fear. War, Russia, Putin, monkeypox, on and on and on. I mean, you think about it, these leftists with this whole thing with Russia, it's like they're marching for a confrontation and a confrontation that flirts with nuclear war. I'm old enough to remember the war protests by the left marching around with their signs, you know, end war and stop this and we're all in this together. And now it's like, oh, Russia's bad. We got to get them buggers. The bottom line to this whole thing is the upper class fears us and loathes us and they consider the common people, the useless eaters, are a cancer on their world. We're eating their food. We're using their resources. And they really want to get rid of us, control us, stamp us out, keep us small. I mean, people like Prince Philip and Bill Gates and Jeff Bezos, they want us to die in large numbers. And you could find the stuff where they've said it. Oh, I mean, they'll keep a few of us, you know, we'll, we'll, you know, be slaves or whatever. And they think that they're going to live on through the, this fourth industrial revolution. 
and they'll be served by robots and, and the few that they keep alive for slaves. This might sound wild to you. I mean, like, oh, wow, conspiracy theory. No, it's not. It's not a theory. They're writing about it and speaking about it. Old Klaus Schwab was just up talking about it. We are the ones who make the future. This is a Luciferian delusion. This whole thing where they're going to have the fourth industrial revolution. They're going to harvest organs. Who do you think they're going to harvest them from? They're going to have nanotechnology. They're going to be able to upload consciousness into AI computers. You know, this leads me to a whole nother category of the enemy patrol. You know, the old one was like, you know, how do we get here? Where are we going? And what are we supposed to do? Well, I got another one for you. Who are these people? You know, I said I'd get back to this point, and I alluded earlier to this that, you know, about these these kings, these barons, these technocrats, these beautiful people. You know, when I say barons, I'm talking about, you know, the barons of industry and, you know, the big money mucky mucks, the high bankers and all this kind of stuff. You know, I think something happens to these people who are really successful. And what I mean successful is they've got more money than they know what to do with. They've got more fame than they know what to do with. They got more power than they know what to do with. And I think what happens to them, it's called pride. And it leads them to believe that they really are better than everybody else. They're somehow a cut above all the other people. But in the end, you know, as a common person like myself, just think about it. Bill Gates, crap, smells similar to a homeless person's. That beautiful movie star who keeps yapping about something breathes the same air composition as a truck stop waitress. All she does is looks really good reading lines that somebody else wrote and wearing clothes that somebody told her to wear and being at point A and acting like whatever she's told to act like. A rap star. I mean, his sweat stinks just as bad as a blue-collar worker's. They are no different. Yet somehow... These elites, they feel a sense of moral superiority. Not just that they're really good actors or they really good at business or they really got a good, you know, shoe up in, in, in the world of, of finance, but they feel morally superior because they don't have to grind their way through life like the common folk, the dirt people. They, they think they're better. And we, as a common people, have been conditioned to believe this is true. I mean, they've been pumping out TV shows and movies and all this stuff, and we begin to believe that there's this class of people that are just so much better than us, and we really should listen to them. But when you really look at it, I mean, things like, you know, the, the great scientists, well, science is dying. I don't mean science itself is dying, but our ability to, to work it is dying because they left the rules of science. It's become a religion. And then you look at fame. Fame is dead. Fame has now become almost the epitome of evil. These famous people are sick. 
And in the end, all talent is decided by the rotten elite. Who gets the music contracts? Who gets the acting roles? Who gets the, who gets the money to make the movie? It's all decided by the, the end of the ones that are counting the money. And the, the wannabe cloud people, the, the, the fart catchers to all these elites, they're desperate to join and, and stay in this club. Now you understand why there's this cancel culture. Like the common people can't understand the cancel culture. You know, they can't even go see a comedian anymore because, well, they got canceled. So why is this holding such sway? You can't even tell a joke. Well, it's because these people at the top that are doing this, making the movies and telling the jokes, they are held in sway to this. They, they want to remain in this club. Don't hitch your wagon to broken people, these broken people at the top. I mean, look at what's happening to Elon Musk. You know, he's in and then he's out and he wants back in. So he's going through all this stuff. He's throwing his money around. He's yapping away on Twitter. Like, I don't know. I think he, maybe he's a fairly decent guy. I don't, I don't know. I mean, neither do you. Neither does anybody else. Nobody knows these people. I don't even know if they know themselves. All of this is overwhelming. It's a lot of moving parts. And in the end, if you really consider this, in the physical and you start to get past your normalcy bias and you start to say, yeah, like who, who are these people? Why do they have such sway? Why is all this machinery working this way? Like, it's pretty elaborate. Like, you know, and that's why conspiracy theorists get sneered at all the time because, wow, they start talking about this stuff and it's like, well, you're crazy. I mean, that's so many moving parts, but Maybe it's time to see this as a, also as a spiritual battle. Maybe that's what's moving all the parts. Maybe this is a battle of good and evil. And that's these lines that are getting easier and easier to see if you will open your eyes to see it. I mean, the elites don't have any problem with the whole spiritual concept. These really murderous people at the top of these pyramids of control... There, a lot of them are committed Luciferians and they make no bones about it. They, they get up and say it now. This sickness and this perversion rolls down the pyramid like vomit. It, it's very daunting when you look at it. I mean, there's this whole thing with the, with the um, child abductions and, um, and um, um, human trafficking that goes on. And there's very powerful people have been connected to it. The size, the power, the control. But here at the Fire of the Enemy Patrol, we look for the old paths in order to find new direction. So, depending how deep you want to dig, that's up to you. How deep do you want to swallow that red pill? If you don't want to, if you don't want to dig, that's fine. Just start to look at the world as good and evil and ask yourself, what am I supposed to do?
you know, this one is, as I've always said, is the hardest one because you actually, you know, hang something on people. And you say, what am I supposed to do? People always ask, you know, you start talking about all this elaborate stuff and you start to feel smaller and smaller and smaller. But in the end, I think your responsibility as a common person is generally to just start to see this stuff. Because in the end, this is a war for your mind and your soul. Let me quickly explain the concept of fifth generation warfare to you. Because I think that's where we find ourselves. And the closer we get to the end, the more it's going to look like this. The battle for your mind and your soul. Think of first generation warfare as soldiers lining up with swords and clashing together. Um, that's the way people fought. That's the way warfare was done. And that was that way for all the way up to, you know, men lining up with muskets and wearing bright colored uniforms and shooting at one another until one group couldn't stand anymore and left, ran away. And the other group followed and tried to slaughter them. Then it worked its way into second generation warfare, which is similar, except you got to hide in a trench and, and then you find cannons that will try and obliterate the other guy's trench. I'm oversimplifying this. You work your way up until, you know, like the French and after the First World War, they built themselves the best, most elaborate trench system ever designed by mankind and they felt totally invulnerable. And um, Hitler showed you just, he could bust through that, like just find one point, break through, and then just flood everything in behind. And you ask yourself, you know, going up through these different generations of warfare, and I won't get too deep into it. You can dig into that for yourself. But it's it's like each group, when they, when when warfare moved up a notch, it was like in the start of the First World War, you had guys in brightly colored uniforms. They believed that their generals should stand up and wave their sword in the air with brightly colored plumes on their helmets to show the men how brave they were. But modern rifles um, had no problem picking them off, and pretty soon, like the French, were running out of generals because every time they stood up to wave their sword, they get shot. Or think of the cavalry charges of horses into what was now barbed wire and machine guns, and it's like, there was a lot of people died before they figured out that, hey, the whole idea has changed. The whole concept has changed. Well, that's what's happened every time. Concepts keep changing. And like fourth generation warfare was like insurrectionists. It's like uh, that's what the U.S. is fighting now. I mean, they build these special groups that, you know, they, they an insurrection pops up here and they send in special forces and smart missiles and all the stuff that's they've spent billions and billions and billions of dollars to, to fight that way but it's moved on it's now fifth generation warfare and it's mostly psyops i mean there's always elements of the other generation warfare there i mean there still be armies squaring off shooting at one another and there's still charges and there's still maneuver and there's still all this stuff but where the actual battle is won and lost is somewhere different it's now the front, if you want to think of that, of battle that way. Where is the front? Well, the front is in every person's mind. 
heart and soul. That's where the front line is. That's where the battle is being fought. So stop following the narrative. Stop following the crowd. Stop listening to that guy that's telling you what that cow weighs. Start thinking for yourself. All this COVID stuff should have taught you now that everything is being orchestrated to control people. To control your psychology. To control your thinking. Practice not getting swept along with things. How do you do that? Because I like to be practical in this point. Limit your screen time. Dump the legacy media. Become independent as you can physically. Food, water, all that kind of stuff. As independent as you can be. Independent in your thinking. Independent in your resources. And for God's sake, stop listening to experts. There are no experts anymore. Oh, you can find somebody smarter than yourself. You can find somebody that's good at something. But anybody that stands up and says, I'm an expert, I know the way to the cow. The rest of y'all are idiots. I'm trained in this. Stop listening to them, especially if the media tells you to. Okay, secondly, you got to decide where your line in the sand is. And I'm not talking about at the point where you write a harsh letter or a point you change the way you vote. I'm talking about the point where you say enough is enough and you're willing to die. Will you wait until you're kneeling on the edge of a pit with a gun to your head? Will you wait until you're being herded onto a cattle car? Oh, it won't be cattle cars next time. It'll be buses. And I'm sure they'll have cookies and everything. I mean... Alexander Solzhenitsyn in the Gulag Archipelago, he talked about it, how they burned in the camps after they were arrested and thought how things would be different when those secret police were coming around to arrest people if they wouldn't have just waited in their apartment to be arrested, if they would have at least organized with a couple neighbors and got some pokers and shovels and attacked them. That if they would have made those secret police pay so that when the secret police were going out at night to arrest people, they didn't know if they were going to come home. Wouldn't have taken very long at all before they would have said, no, the job's not worth it. Not doing it. If every single person said, no, you're not arresting me. No, you're not going to come and just quietly take me away in the night. We either do this by the law or we don't do it at all. And be careful because the law is obviously Look at the whole January 6th thing in the United States or the Canadian honking. Analyze that. Is it fair? Is the law really blind? You know, I hate to talk about it, but, you know, like the Americans have this lovely worded constitution about the right to bear arms. But without moral and spiritual fortitude that their forefathers had, They'll be trading their little poodle shooters in for a good meal. Think about that. It's not what everyone else is going to do. It's what you're going to do. Where is your line in the sand? And thirdly, you have to learn to live your life. 
And I want to stress this one because all this stuff I'm talking about gives you fear. What the mainstream media is talking about, they want you to fear. What I'm talking about makes you upset and fearful. You just, this, this is overwhelming. But like I always say, life is a one-time adventure. You got to learn to live it that way. Well, learn to live it that way. Smell the air. Taste the food. Laugh at life's absurdities. Feel your feelings. Gaze upon the beauty of creation as much as you can. Quit living in fear. Start to realize that courage is the most important factor. Without courage, you can't even really live. Rejoice with those who are rejoicing. Weep with those that are in mourning. And give praise to your creator for all the beauty that surrounds you. If you'll just go out and look at it. The creator of all these feelings. Shun all this evil stuff and turn to what is good in life. Focus on it. All this stuff in the world is going to keep, it's going to keep getting worse. But there's a moral center to all goodness. We can't attain goodness on our own. God made a way for us to do that through his son, Jesus Christ. We only have to believe. See what I mean? Old paths will take you in new directions. Think about the fact that this was the first place the destroyer in our society tried to take away. I mean, the concept of God, that's so archaic. The concept of goodness, so subjective. I mean, the concept of righteousness, oh, that's so judgmental. And prayer, well, that's divisive. The Bible, oh, it's so hateful. And on and on. Now even truth. There's people talking about, oh, we live in a post-truth society. In other words, like George Orwell did in 1984, in the end it was, it's not that two and two equals four or two and two equals five or two and two equals three. It's whatever the party says it is. That's the world that they're building. You know, now we've, you know, banned prayer and Bible from public discourses. And evil has free reign in, in our world. Infanticide, sexual perversions, government-ordained violence. That's all good now. You know, it's, it, you know um, um, how did they talk about the BLM riots? Mostly peaceful protests. Well, buildings burned down in the background. It's time to live our life of goodness and beauty and get on with it and yet have that line drawn in the sand. And if we can take anything from the honking, the Canadian honking protest, we can stop trying to organize a protest. I'm not saying if people get together and organize a protest, they're doing it bad. I'm just saying that I don't think it's going to work. I mean, that Canadian thing was, was, I think it was pretty spontaneous. That's why Trudeau had to run away. He didn't know what to do. It wasn't on the script. He's working off of a script, old Turdo. I mean, he's a coward. And, in, and I, he's, I don't think he's even that smart. He's a mouthpiece. He's a puppet. Biden's a puppet. 
they get their strings pulled and they make noises and their mouth moves and but they're working off of a script they're all working off of you know the world economic forum script or the elite script they've been put there to make us do what they want us to do they organize opposition it's built into the system but I kind of think if we can take anything from the Canadian honking, it's the fact that I think it was pretty spontaneous. I think by the end, they had infiltrated it, controlled it at the very end. But at the beginning, I think it scared the crap out of them. If you want to organize, organize how to live, not how to protest. I think it's great that people get together and organize and figure things out. We're going to have to do it. But in the end, what's going to defeat them is, well, I'll give you a Revelation quote talking about in Revelation chapter 12, talking about a kind of a little nutshell of the end, about it's Lucifer and he comes to earth and he's angry. And I quote, it's from verse 11. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto death. Stop fearing death. You're going to die anyway. I've heard this all my life. I've heard about the mark of the beast, no one able to buy or sell. That sounds a lot like digital money to me. Sounds like the digital gulag that they are trying to build, the elites are trying to build in this world so they can completely control you. I mean, Trudeau showed us a little bit of that with the whole honking thing too. Oh, you people that gave money to help this protest, oh, suddenly you don't have a bank account. And they haven't even started yet with digital currency. That's just banking system that we have right now. So yeah, just, they keep going. No one's able to buy or sell. You have a one world religion. You have total diabolical control of the world. I used to wonder about how, how could this come about when I was a kid hearing these preachers preach on Revelation? And how could this come about? I mean, people already know what the end looks like. You know, they painted a pretty good picture of the mark of the beast and you couldn't buy or sell without it. How can they even bring this about? Well, it's here. It's the digital money system. And the church has just snored its way while revelation unfolds. But in the end, in the end, the word of God will still ring true. So how do we fight? We fight by living our lives. We fight by finding beauty. We fight by finding our line in the sand and then stop worrying about it. In the final end, where's your line in the sand? Will you get on the bus? That will be the bulwark. That will be what will stop them is if nobody complies. If everybody fights to the death, they cannot do their final solution. The whole idea of the system that they're trying to build would collapse. 
That could leave us with quite the adventure. A life without the system. A life without the experts. I mean, it could be glorious. Could even be fun. In the end, I would say, like I always end, and I always tell you, you can find me in anomicranger.com. That's my website. You can send me an email to animepatrolhq at yahoo.com if you have a comment or an idea. Don't forget to subscribe and review and like and all that stuff. And I think as we do this adventure, don't forget, this could get more and more important all the time. Till we meet again, keep an edge on your knife. Is that making more sense these days? Keep your matches dry. You might need a fire. Because this life is becoming more and more a one-time adventure. One time. You are going to die in the end. How are you going to live? You live like it's an adventure? Well then, learn to live it that way. So, vaya con Dios, eh? <laughs>